It's time for Mac Geek Gab, and I have our quick tip of the week. I noticed this week I had told my iPhone to download a bunch of updates for apps, and then there was one app that I wanted to launch, like, well, 50 updates or something were going in the background. And, of course, the app that I wanted to launch was one of the ones in the queue. So I long pressed on that app, and it allowed me to prioritize the download of the update. I know you could do this when setting up a phone through like migration, you know, initially, but and which is why I tried it, but I did not know if it would work. And it does more quick tips like this, plus your questions answered and some cool stuff found too today on Mac Geek Up 983 for Monday, Memorial Day here in the US, May 29th, 2023. <laughs> Welcome to Mac Geekab, the show where you send in your quick tips, like the one I just shared, your cool stuff found, like we'll share in a little bit, your questions, which we will try to answer. We take all of that stuff. You send them into feedback at MacGeekab.com. We take all that stuff. We string it together into an agenda. And the goal is that each of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include ShadyRays.com slash MGG, where you can go and use code MGG. When you buy one pair of Shady Rays, you get a second pair for free. And Notion.com slash MacGeekGab, where you can go and for a limited try, limited time, limited time, try Notion AI for free. We'll talk more in depth about each of those in a little bit. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here. In Fairfield, Connecticut, this is Jonathan Braun. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, it's Pilot Pete. Pilot Pilot Pete wringing his hands right in front of the microphone for everyone to hear. Thanks. Sorry, we love that. We love for a limited try. You two. (laughs) Now he's over my (laughs) chest, and he's screaming into his microphone. This is going to be great. I can tell it's going to be great. (laughs) Make it stop. I'll go away. Make it stop. (laughs) Please. Uh, all right. Where do we go first, Mr. Braun? Uh, let's start things off here with a few announcements. Okay. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, I've got a few of them here. So uh, the first one is I am going to be retiring from podcasting to focus on other interests. This is like, obviously, I knew this coming in. This is a <laughs> surprise for our listeners. Um. Yeah, well, uh, I will. I will miss doing the show uh, with you. I, I I will miss getting. I will miss getting the opportunity to hang out every week. Um, when we were creating this show, eighteen almost eighteen years ago, uh, you know, we had Mac Observer running. Podcasting was becoming a thing, and I was also right at that time about to move from Connecticut to New Hampshire. When I had moved to Austin about six years before that, you know, you and I met when we were, when I was 15, I won't share what your age was. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. you're, you're older than me. I yeah. Right. I, I mean, I think you were about 20 at the time. Right. Like, but whatever, like we're about five years apart. And, 
And obviously we, we, you know, lived near each other and hung out a bunch. And then when I moved to Austin, we kept in touch, but it was like every, you know, couple of months or whatever. It was certainly less frequent as often will happen when people, you know, don't live in proximity. And then when I moved back to Connecticut, uh, we started hanging out regularly again. We would watch X-Files or whatever it was together. And, uh, and so when we were moving, when I knew we were moving to New Hampshire, it was right at the same time we were starting this, you know, this show or a show at Mac Observer. And I was trying to figure out what the show should be. I thought, well, wait a minute. If John and I do this show together, that gives us a reason to, you know, stay in touch more regularly, even though I'm leaving. And it, it has served that purpose for obviously uh, quite well. So, um, so, so, you know, that. That part of this is, um, is, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. 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 Well, from a listener perspective, I came in to listening to you guys when it was Dave and John. So you'll be missed, John. This is a, a special thing you guys put together and built. And I, thank uh, you. I'm honored to be part of it. Yeah. And I reflect on when we started the podcast, we thought people wanted to hear what we thought about things. And then it morphed into a more tech support type deal. We also talk news and all that, but the, the news space is kind of crowded, whereas the troubleshooting space, I think, is less crowded. I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but yeah. but no, the show's evolved and it's evolving again. So yeah, yeah. Where um, so we have there there will be no there is no replacing uh, John F. Braun. Uh, I don't need to say that, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, we will obviously the show will continue on. Pete and I will uh, do our level best to soldier forth. And there there are a list of people who have been guests on the show, and some of them will continue to join us at times. But there there is no like and waiting in the wings is. Person X as, you know, uh, the, the John's replacement. There is no John's replacement. It's but but when Pete can't make it uh, there will like this is not a show I would ever do by myself. And so uh, when Pete can't make it, there will be other people. And and sometimes we'll bring in a third person even with, uh, you know, when it's just me and Pete, too. So or when Pete can make it, I should say, because if, if we brought in a third person, then it wouldn't just be me and Pete. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's just how logic works. I, I, I don't get to control that. So where. um. Where can people keep in touch with you and find you and see you? Um, so there's Twitter, John F. Braun. Um, I'm on Facebook, you know, search for John F. Braun. Uh, LinkedIn, I don't use it that much these days. Are um, you on Mastodon yet? Uh, I'm sticking with Twitter, even though they're ruining it. Okay. <laughs> in my humble opinion, um, sure. it, it hasn't gotten better. Sure. Um. Yeah, I was very sad when my Twitterific client all of a sudden stopped working because I really liked that client. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. but there's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, what else am I on? Uh, Instagram. Yeah. You know, I publish pictures uh, there. So if you want to keep in touch, any of those venues uh, would be fine. Cool. All right. Um, and then to round things out here, um, Dave and I will be attending MacStock conference and expo in july so if you're in the chicago area come by and say hi and if you're not come to the chicago area and come by and say hi absolutely <laughs> and we think we think i i think if if the schedules all work i think pete you're gonna uh 
be in attendance there too? That's the plan at this point. Yeah. That's the plan. I'm cool. going to do my level best to be there. Assuming I can get off of work. There's that work thing. There you go. There you it go. interferes with my social life and my podcasting. And tech well, life. you got to fly the plane. Somebody's got to fly the plane and they don't right. let me do it, Pete. So yeah, no. I want my stuff, man. Where's my stuff? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's that. People want their stuff and the company doesn't pay me if I don't go to work. They're so cheap. I don't get it. Just <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not fair. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah. All right, John, you want to take us uh, into quick tips, my friend? Yeah, we got a quick one here from uh, our friend Bill, uh, who says in Mac Geek, Mac Geek Gab 982, there was a reference to changing the scrolling behavior by pressing the option key. Dave and others seemed excited about using the option key to scroll to the spot clicked in the scroll bar. If this is truly the preferred behavior, a better option, pun intended, uh, is probably to change the behavior directly in the appearance setting in system settings. Uh, at the bottom of that screen, you can select the default behavior for when one clicks in the scroll bar, jump to the next page, or jump to the spot that's clicked. Choosing the latter does just what was discussed on the podcast. It should be noted that the option key merely enables whatever choice is not the default. If jump to the spot that's clicked is the default using the option key, makes the scroll bar move page by page and vice versa. So I thank you very much, Bill. Um, I question them putting this in the appearance settings. I don't think that's really an appearance thing, but yeah, what do I, what do I know? I don't, I, don't <laughs> I would not think that would be there. No. And I don't know that I was even aware that this was, I mean, I, I don't know that there was any point in time where I was aware that this was an option that you could choose. Uh, clearly recently I wasn't cause I was so happy to find out that you could, Again, no pun intended, click the option or hold down option and click and, and jump to that. I may I may make this change on my devices. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Good to know. It's where it is, I guess. I guess. Uh, let's see. Patrick has a uh, quick tip for us. He says, uh, maybe everyone knows this, but when searching for a particular email in Apple Mail, you can put in multiple search terms. For example, you could search for an email from Dave to John, or uh, you could search for an email from, you know, director of finance and also about inventory. And, and this is true. Mail searching is is weird. or I guess like it's it's searching, but it's also really filtering is what you're doing. Uh you kind of have to give it time. There's no, I have found no way to say this is the end of search term one. Now here is search term two. The way I do it is like, if I wanted to, to, uh, you know, look for an email from Dave to John or from, from John that also included to Pete, right? Cause in theory, you know, like, yeah. Uh, I would have to put in, I would type like John F. Braun and wait and the little menu would drop down, magically appear and show John F. Braun. And then I would choose John F. Braun and then I would choose from on the little thing. And now I'm done with first criterion. It's going to start, you know, filtering by that. Then right next to that in the search box, I could type, you know, pilot Pete and wait. And hopefully it shows me a drop down again. 
and I would choose Pilot Pete, and then I would, you know, next to his name, I would choose two. And then if I wanted to look for something that had, uh, you know, a word in the subject, I would type another word and wait, and then hopefully be able to choose subject contains X. It's a little weird, but you can do it. And I, I appreciate Patrick sending this in to remind us all that it is a doable thing. It's just not, I haven't found a way to make it clear that like, you know, this is the end of one search term. Here's the next one. I don't Can know. you, could you use something like, and I don't think so. It doesn't okay. seem to let you No. no. And okay. It, it's probably the worst or like put it in quotes and separate it with an and would it be smart enough to parse that properly? I, uh, not, I don't, I, I haven't tried that. Um, yeah. but, uh, let me let me look to see. Uh, no, because the end it starts trying to do a new term. It, it starts, tr- it, yeah, including the word and. Yeah, it doesn't it's looking for the word and. And if I if I put a thing in quotes, it says subject contains quote a thing quote like it's it's looking for it doesn't understand that I'm trying to give it a term with, with you know with quote no it doesn't. It doesn't get the hint. Mail doesn't get the hint. It's it really not. what it comes down to. Yeah. And it makes it so hard to find things. And then the, and then the strings are so. They're so weird. Goobered. Yeah. Yeah. When you're trying to look through it, like I tried to print out an email today from one of the listeners and the question that got answered and I could print either his last answer or the first two, but it wouldn't print all three. Amazing. My, you know, his first question and yeah. my answer. You're right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It. It's. um. Stop. Stop yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, what's happening with mail is it's trying to be smart. It, it's trying to guess what you want, and so it's le- it like while you're typing, it's furiously feeding that into Spotlight in some way and trying to say, ah, are you looking for email with this subject line that contains part of the text that you typed? It's just a little. It's just, it, it, it's trying, I wish there was a way to say, stop guessing. Like, I appreciate your, your attempts at guessing, but please stop guessing and just let me choose the criteria I want to search by. Right. And I guess the way to do that would be to build a smart mailbox. As crazy um, as that sounds. Yeah. Right. Like, I that mean, it's I, always there, man. It, it's right. It's a permanent thing. I mean, you can delete them, but yeah. like that would be the way to. To to truly dictate the criteria would be That's a smart a mailbox. Great idea. I know. I haven't thought about that until this moment. Now that I have, it's like, well, obviously what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have one smart mailbox that is, you know, kind of my catch all or my, my, my morphing one. And it'll be like, all right, well, now no, I want the smart this. mailbox to be yeah. this. Uh, yeah, just find. edit the terms that it searches. For. Just edit yeah, the terms. Good. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Like, I love doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> It makes Even me sad, though, baby. because the the find capabilities in the finder are much more powerful or flexible. Yeah. Flexible. And, 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 and I don't like know why they, do, they don't use the same interface. Yep. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because that's, that's what I want. Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finder's using yeah. Spotlight, right? Yeah. As, as is mail. Yeah. yeah. And then there's <laughs> more notes. Find any file. We've mentioned them before, yeah. But that that does really good. I haven't looked to see if that can get down into the mail database. I bet it can. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have not gotten back to them. I, I told them I would uh, look at trying to do a video, some tutorial on that. I need to get off my backside and do that. There you go. <laughs> All right. Shall we move to the next? Uh, I mean, yes. that, that became far more of a, than a quick tip, but I like it. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Rattle. All right. This one should be pretty quick. Um, the title of this is Tip, Expensive Lesson Learned uh, okay. from Jay Kearns. Um, Hi, guys. Your good info and banter are most eagerly awaited addition to the enjoyment of more than just my tech life. So thank you. You're welcome. My tip. The day I got the ship notice for my, my replacement right AirPod Pro 2 second gen was, of course, the day I found it. Where was it hiding out of range of Find My? In the RFID protection section of my purse. <laughs> now, while probably everyone else in the current universe knows better, I did not and passed this on to the few remaining people in my situation. I suppose I should also refrain from putting my air-tagged car keys in that same passport section. Since I had to pay for the now redundant right iPod, uh, right pod, I guess I kind of got caught. Interesting. I, yeah. Now, first off, I didn't know that they, um, because I don't have a purse, I didn't know that they made a special compartment. Um, Backpacks have this shield too. RF. Okay. Like, like the passport pocket in uh, a mm. lot of the passport pockets that that exist in backpacks are RFID shielded. Uh, so that people aren't able because your passport has RFID in it now. Mm -hmm. And so th th the passport pockets are just built to be RFID shielded. A, a lot of them, not all of them, of course. And so thinking, oh, great, you know, I'll put my my wallet in there with it. Uh, you know, like if, if your wallet has a an air tag in it or, you know, your AirPods could potentially fit in one of those pockets. Like, yeah, it's a good reminder that RFID shielding works. Yeah. I mean, like, quick it's a job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah, if I've you heard can some your people, money back. I've heard some some people suggest if you're uncomfortable with that, the other thing you could do is smash the RFID chip. So uh that's on your passport? Yeah. That would make life really difficult and interesting when traveling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, most countries that and, and I don't travel nearly as much as you, Pete, but like most places I go, even overseas, I'm using my RFID passport, like getting into Germany. I, I was in Germany and Mexico. I was able to like fly past all the people waiting in line because I was able to use my RFID passport. Right. Are, are you mm -hmm. getting the same thing when you travel around too, Pete? Uh, no, well, we're sorry. No, well, we're treated differently. Um, oh, we, of course. You know, because we're air crew, we, yeah. we get right to the front of the line. And and because we're cargo air crew, we get right to a booth where they only deal with cargo air crew often. Um, but Got that it. being said, when I when I do travel on company business, I, I go to a crew line. I, I can't remember the last time I traveled on tourist status. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, no. I, yeah, yeah, I would. I, listen, yeah. if I didn't have to travel on tourist status, I right. would not. Yes. Yeah. It's, and it's I got very um, nice. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had to upgrade my passport a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, so I got not only the book, but I got a passport card, which you got to pay a little extra for. Sure. But the last time I traveled, uh, when I came to TSA, I gave them that instead of my license. I'm like, I wonder if this will work. And they're like, yep, come on yep. through. Absolutely. I, I don't think the passport card is usable everywhere i think that's only for no. land borders to mexico and canada 
Is that I'm I'm pretty sure Mexico, Canada, and Virgin Islands or, okay. or some territory. Yeah. That makes sense. And maybe yeah. maybe cruise ships like ship and bank. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Cruise cruise ships Sandwich Girl isn't here to ask. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cruise ships won't take like your real ID, which is about no. the same as a, a passport card, I think. Mm-hmm. I've always yeah. I, I was I when I had to go get my license i i did you know whatever whatever this was you know a number of years ago i i did the real id thing just to have that and they're like you need to bring your passport and all these other forms of you know these other things to prove you are who you are and it's like i said to him my passport is like the the real id driver's license can do a subset of things that my passport can do but my passport can do all of that, what that can do and more. They're like, right. Other than you driving and like, right. But we've already established the fact that you're going to let me drive. So uh, I'm like, why do you need more than my passport then? Because my passport, I don't need a real ID if I'm willing to carry my passport everywhere. Like, I, I don't, right. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's one of those weird things. It's, it is strange, yeah. but uh, quickly back to the AirPods. I'm yeah. wondering if she can't get her money back. For the AirPod, I would think maybe oh. you'd be able to return that. Yeah, within Remember. time, sure. Yeah, I think they have thirty days policy. or so. Yeah, yeah. The other one, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> wow, excuse me. Was I just wanted to relay that I had a delay in one the other day. I AirPods uh, turned on, find my, couldn't find them. Yeah, they're far away. They're far away. Looked all over the house, and I went, "Oh, I know where I left them." Went right down there with the phone. Could not connect. To find holding them right against the phone, nice. it refused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not perfect. It's every not now perfect. and then, it's just like, uh, yeah. Yep. There's something we are aware that there's something going on with Pete's mic today. Uh, you're cutting out like occasionally. People got what you were saying, but there's there's okay. there's something on your Mac that's that's you know what? I'm going to kill audio hijack mic. for now. Then I just think that's the extra new. Oh yeah, maybe. There, so sure. Kill that. Sure. Um, I noticed this morning I was uh, actually cooking eggs in the kitchen and Lisa was there and she had a timer running for uh, she had a timer on her watch running for uh, like watering the the, the grass or whatever it was. And then uh, she told her watch, you know, Siri set a second timer for some other thing that she was going to do. And it was like, okay, second timer for some other thing is set. And I was like, right you can do that on the watch. You can't set two timers on your phone, not with Siri and not with the clock app. If you launch the clock app, you'll see there's interface for one timer. If you ask Siri on your phone, set a timer for like I was cooking eggs. So I said, set a three minute egg timer. And it was like, great. And then I told it, set a three, a five minute pat the cat timer. And it was like, do you want to replace your other timer that's going? And it's like, aha, you can't do it, can you? So the watch is able to do multiple timers. The phone is not. And uh, you can do it on the watch with uh, our favorite S lady. Or you can, like, and we've mentioned that part before, you can do it in the in the timers app as well. So it's just well, one yeah, of those that's things. That's more capable. It's, yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> one of those things. It's just one of those things. Um, speaking of the watch... In Discord this week, PC Unix said, uh, I have a, it, it was in a discussion about long watch passcodes, which of course mean that unlocking your watch with a passcode means you have to like, you know, tap lots. Cause if you've got a long passcode, 
PC Unix said, I've, I've noted before that unlocking your phone will unlock your watch when you've just put it back on, but that sometimes it is slow to do so. That's true. Sometimes it just doesn't do it when you want. One trick, he says, I've found is to call up the watch app on the phone. That usually wakes it up and unlocks the watch. So if you're, if, if you, if you don't want to bother typing in the passcode and your unlocked phone hasn't automatically unlocked your watch, just launch the uh, watch app. And sometimes that'll do the trick too. So thanks for sharing that PC Unix. I like it. What else do we got? Pete, you got another one for us? I do at the risk of running a Verizon commercial first. Could you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> So Scott writes in, he says, I use the handy function known as uh, silence unknown callers to manage my calls and prevent uh, many, but not all, spam calls from getting through to me and disturbing my workflow. Sometimes, however, I need to turn it off when I'm expecting a call from someone I don't know their number and they're not in my contacts so that they can get through. So he said, so I've created a shortcut that I can evoke by telling the S lady, uh, silence unknown callers off. That prevents me to having, from having to open settings and use find to locate that setting. I created another one called silence unknown callers on to allow me to reinitiate once the uh, caller has reached me and I can block spam calls going forward without, uh, without risk of missing that important call and that unknown number. Uh, to which I replied, that uh, that's a great idea. I hadn't considered doing that. I've been using the focus mode, uh, which gets you substantially more granular to do that, but not everyone wants to play with the focus modes. People I've tried to educate about it. Some are resistant. Some are like, Oh, that's cool. Show me how. So, uh, the, the focus modes, what I've been doing, but that shortcut idea is yeah, one. And then uh, pre-show pre-show. Shouldn't All right. I'm going to stop you, Pete, because you're whatever you changed didn't help. You're no, still okay. like cutting in and out. Uh, but oh, this but, is killing me. Okay. Yeah, I, I I would say uh, in a in a little bit here, if there's if there's some time, we'll have you uh, just unplug your mic and replug it because it's yeah. going to. Uh, yeah, it's. I'll some, do that while you're talking next. Okay, great. So great. Yeah. Um, I found I have two quick tips oh. about. Uh, I just want to mention. Yeah, go ahead, for, John. Sorry for yeah. filtering. Spam, if you are a Verizon customer, they do have something called call filter, which goes against the database of known spam numbers. So just to add that, it's like another layer of protection. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah, no, that's good to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um I noticed two things in the recent updates that we have seen here uh, with Mac OS and iOS. Uh, iOS 16.5 adds a adds Siri commands for screen recordings. So you can tell it to start a screen recording, stop a screen recording. Super handy, much better than even the the previous shortcut to do that, of course, which was in control center. Cause that's something you can add there, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So those, uh, those little commands for screen recordings, go check them out. And the other one that I found was something we've talked about here on the show, which is that Mac OS 13.4, uh, solves the slow Bluetooth issue 
that we have experienced here uh, at, uh, at Mac Geek Gab and, and a lot of you have experienced too. So if you haven't updated to both of those yet, please go ahead and do that. And hopefully all of your problems, or at least those very specific issues will be solved. All right, Pete, imagine this. You've just bought a pair of these fancy mortgage level expensive sunglasses. And as you step outside, a bird flies by and snatches them right off your face. Gone. That's painful in more ways than one. But not for me. I've got Shady Rays, our sponsor for this week. These bad boys are like the superhero of sunglasses, minus the spandex suit. Now, Shady Rays are the quality sunglasses. They've got the same swank as the high-end ones, but they're priced like they've got common sense. You don't need a celebrity paycheck to afford them. No, that's true. Built like an off-road tank, Shady Rays can handle whatever life chucks at them. Hiking in the mountains, surfing killer waves, rocking a spontaneous limbo dance contest at a beach party. Bring it on. My family's been using Shady Rays for years And they are fantastic sunglasses. Their styles are as timeless as my dad jokes. And they make me look good, like almost as good as I think I look in the mirror. And all their sunglasses come with polarized lenses. That's like having a built-in Instagram filter for your eyes, making everything look crystal clear. And they protect you from the sun better than a vampire at an SPF 100 party. The best part about Shady Rays is their lost and broken replacements program. It's like they've got a sixth sense. Break or lose your pair the second you take them out of the box. They'll send you a replacement pair. No questions asked. Oh, Shady Rays is like an overeager friend who just wants you to be happy. So they give you a 30-day trial. Don't like them? Well, exchange them or return them, and it won't cost you a dime. Wow, what's better than getting one pair of Shady Rays and not worrying if you break or lose them? Getting two. Go to ShadyRays.com slash MGG and use the code MGG. And for a limited time, when you buy one pair of Shady Rays, you'll get a second pair free. That's S-H-A-D-Y-R-A-Y-S dot com slash M-G-G. Code M-G-G to get a second pair of Shady Rays free. That's ShadyRays.com slash M-G-G. Code M-G-G. And our thanks to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. All right, look. You're deep in your workspace working on something. You've got a jumble of notes, to-do lists, brain dumps, half-baked blog posts, scribbled gibberish that you can't even decipher. There's chaos in your digital world, and you need a superhero. Cue dramatic music. Here comes Notion AI. Think of it as a Swiss army knife with a brain. That's the new secret sauce of Notion, our sponsor today. And boy, is it a game changer. Now, AI has been doing the rounds, buzzing around like a hyperactive bee. But how does it fit into your daily life, right? Like fitting a round peg into a square hole. Wrong. Notion AI plugs straight into your Notion workspace so you don't have to jump to some other AI tool. It's right there. It's like your work's got its own personal assistant, only smarter. And no, it doesn't need coffee breaks either. This is like that kid in class who did all the work while you got the credit. Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. Seriously, it's like time travel without the DeLorean. That's good because I can't afford DeLorean parts. (laughs) But imagine a magical keyboard that types for you. Notion AI, write me a blog post about why cats rule the internet. And there you have it, a beautifully crafted piece about our feline overlords. Good kitty. Want an outline for your next great novel? A brainstorm of business ideas. A summary of your 200-page thesis that reads like a spy novel? 
Just ask Notion AI. So embrace the future, folks. Let Notion AI be your very own digital superhero, helping you leap tall tasks in a single bound. And for a limited time, try Notion AI for free when you go to Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash MacGeekGab to try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting the show. This is a limited time offer. Try Notion AI for free right now at Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. And our thanks to Notion AI for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, John, you want to take us to Michael's question? Yeah. This is going to be a rough one. Um, (laughs) uh, So Michael says, uh, longtime listener, I I have an old guy challenge. Okay. Um, when I put on my watch, the notifications from my phone stop making sounds or flashing. As someone with low sensitivity, I cannot feel or hear my watch all the time. Is there a way to enable notifications on both devices simultaneously? If not, I would continue to rant at Apple for this slight inaccessibility. Uh, I don't know if I have a good answer for you here. Well, I did find a Apple support article uh, titled... And I get notifications on both my phone and my watch. Um, and someone in that thread gave a pretty detailed analysis of what you can do. Okay. And about the only thing he could come up with is um, if you go to the watch app on your phone and then go to passcode, there's an option, wrist detection. And the person who posted this um, said that that may do it. Uh, here's the bad news, though, Dave. Uh, if you and Pete, if you try to disable that feature, um, here's the bad news. If you turn off wrist detection, your Apple Watch will not lock or unlock automatically. Fall detection will not automatically start emergency SOS. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six things that. Mm. So. I don't think it's worth it. So I'm, I'm with you. Uh, continue to rant at Apple. <laughs> yeah. I, well, there might be, I, I agree with you. First of all, that there should, it would be better if there was a way to just say, give me my notifications everywhere. I'm okay with getting duplicates because that that's what Apple's trying to avoid here. Right. If, if for anybody who uses Slack, there is a way of saying to Slack, be more aggressive notifying me on my phone, but I or and I accept that I might get duplicate notifications on desktop versus phone. It tries to be smart about it. It tries to deduce whether you're active on your desktop and then it doesn't notify you on your phone and vice versa. And you can, like I said, you can change that setting. I would love that kind of granularity from Apple, even with the caveat of, yeah, and I get that I'll get multiple notifications we don't get that from apple it's really not apple's way however one thing apple does do is allow you to increase the um the force of those haptic notifications which happen on your watch on your watch go into settings and then go to sounds and haptics you get to scroll down a ways and then scroll down a ways once you're in there and you'll see in the haptics section you can set the haptics to prominent This will make them far more, uh, uh, you know, forceful on your wrist. The other thing to do is to make sure you're using a watch band that can get tight enough that you'll 
feel the haptics, but won't have your watch just jostling around on your wrist. I noticed when I use a loose watch band, I either miss notifications or I get misnotified just because my watch is bouncing around and I think I've had like a phantom tap kind of thing. So, um, so, but maybe that prominent thing is enough to sort of get you over the hump here, Michael. I don't know, but that's, it's something worth trying. So I don't know. How, how are the haptics Pete on the ultra? Oh, they're, they're awesome. And I do have the same thing prominent make, I can make them prominent. Do you, or, or do you and just, I them? just did. I'm, I'll see okay. how that goes. Uh, oh, man. I, I, you might jump the out problem of your chair. Is, yeah. So many times, like I said on an earlier show, I I've learned to ignore that bump on my wrist. So, yeah. You know, am I, am I ignoring the, you know, I was like, Oh, I had text messages an hour ago. I needed the answer. I didn't notice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you know, yeah. So yeah, that's why I tell people, if you're trying to get in touch with me and I'm not answering, just keep bugging me i'll tune you out if i need to yep yep, <laughs> yep. i promise uh, yep so. yep i uh i i am a i'm the same way i'm a i'm a very happy user of various do not disturb modes uh and i do it to, i mean I, I do it to everybody my family gets it sometimes too we have a group you know like i think most families do we have a group um text or an iMessage group for the four of us and sometimes and I'm guilty of this at times too, but sometimes, you know, two or the other three people will just get going and it'll just be message after message after message. And it's like, yeah, I'm in the middle of like a thing right now. Maybe I'm recording a show, although that's automatically turned off, but you know, maybe I'm just in the middle of like doing some work and it's like, Oh, yep. Okay. I'll go on. Do not disturb for an hour. I got no qualms about that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Hey Pete, your audio sounds better, which is uh, oh, that's good. What are the odds? What Ain't the nothing odds? like a, a reboot in the backside of yep. my computer. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. That's a Ventura thing. We saw that. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, folks, stick around. I have something, something good to, nice say to say about say. audio and Ventura in a little bit here. But if you can't say something nice, sit next to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's something we saw with uh. Ventura from my end too, uh, specifically into Chrome. And I think I, you know, you might've just been able to restart Chrome because in, when I was having that issue, that's exactly what I did. And I wish I had thought about that, but, uh, Oh, interesting. Because yeah. when I did reboot, everything came up, even things that I didn't want coming up, you know, all the login sure. items, yeah, of course, except Chrome came up and then was non-responsive. <laughs> <laughs> I had to first quit it. Well, you know, there you go. <laughs> because just because it go. was angry at me. Yeah. But I, I need to put that on my checklist. Just reboot everything once before starting the show. And do you have your computer set to reboot automatically once a week? I don't. I oh, that's, there's another one, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I have, we record on, on Fridays. I have it reboot on Thursdays. Just, I don't know why I chose Thursdays. I, you know, I, it's like 24 hours before we do the show and that's generally good just enough. Just to be sure. I yeah. was just thinking that I bet my audio was good on the, uh, on the commercials too. Yes. You sounded no fantastic on the yes, street. I may imagine. You know, I will share something. Obviously, uh, you just heard the first time that we did, uh, sort of tandem commercials, or at least the first time in a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. I can't take credit for any of what I'm about to tell you. This is all Pete's idea, even just doing the tandem commercials and, uh, or tandem sponsor spots. Yeah. 
They're commercials. I just never have said that word before. Uh, at least not to describe them. I've said the word commercials before. But uh, Pete had the great idea of taking the talking points that we get from our sponsors and instead of just kind of reading them down and and riffing on them on our own, Pete said, oh, no, paste them into chat GPT and tell them to make a, a script and make it funny. And so you as the listener get to decide whether or not it was funny. And that's why you were laughing or you were laughing for the other reason. So yeah, like dad, dad joke, funny, dad joke, stop. Funny. <laughs> right, make it stop. That's right. Fu- fu- funny. How, like how, like a clown, <laughs> like a clown. I make you laugh. <laughs> I entertain you. Do I, <laughs> do I amuse you? I love that scene. And I think he ad libbed that. He, uh, is that right? I don't think it was in the script. I think he just, wow. yeah. Yeah. It was one of the great scenes in that movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pete, you got a uh, question for us from, from Nick? Uh, I do. Uh, Nick wrote in, and he said, uh, I edit and proofread papers for multiple family members. Nick, I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> and I come across uh, a repeated item that I don't have a good way to resolve. Since the typing on my uh, is not on my computer, and I was wondering if you have any tips addressing a specific problem. There are spaces added between the words and the punctuation, rather than the p- punctuation being appended, added, or immediately next to the word. Uh, this is, for example, a space comma, list comma, uh, list space comma, that sort of thing. So word, space, and then punctuation. Uh, he says, I've looked into, uh, I've tried to build snippet and text expander and autocorrect libraries, um, and I, I'm not sure it's, uh, he says, it does, uh, it does not save due to the leading space. It, so the text expander mode doesn't work. And I also tried it in Rocket Typist and I couldn't get it to fix. Is there a minimally invasive, invasive way to do this without installing software? Um, I played with it with Rocket Typist as well. The only thing I could come up with was uh, in Pages and Word, I used to find and replace. So uh, I went in there um, I in in pages, it's command plus F, and then there's a replace option at the bottom. So I just went in and put uh, command plus F, and then I put uh, space comma and replaced it with comma, and it went through and it replaced all the oh. all of that and and moved. It took that space out from in front of the punctuation mark. I did the same thing for the period, and so it's not quite as efficient as maybe a text expander would, but it will, re- it gives you the option to replace them all. You know, for instance, if it's 10, you can do them all at once if there's 10 in that document. So Nick, huh. I hope that helps. I, and if anyone else has a more better idea, <laughs> serve it up, please. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, you know, when it's that leading space that, yep. the text expander, rocket typist, all uh, even keystroke, you know, I didn't try keystroke. You know that you can do keystroke replacements in Apple. It, it, that that yeah, was OS what 10. I was thinking was yeah. was that yeah. So if, if you go into either system preferences or system settings and go into keyboard and go into text replacements, I think is what they what they call it. It's just yeah. such a weird uh, thing, but yeah, it's text or text replacements, and you can put in a phrase and then put in what you want it to replace that with. So you could put in space comma and then have it replace it with say comma space or just comma, you know, whatever, uh, that might be the trick. Yeah. 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 Cause then at least, and, and 
you'd get the benefit of iOS doing it too. But I think autocorrect on iOS will actually fix this stuff. This shortcut cannot contain spaces. Please provide a valid word or phrase. Dang. I just tried it as you described it. Okay. And it got mad at me. Okay. Thanks, Apple. That's great. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a good idea. Um, yeah, I, yeah. It, you might just need third-party software. I mean, it's, you know, it's yeah, how it works. Like, and the find and replace is the other. Right. If that you want to do it right. manually. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but the advantage is it lets you do all 10 at once. You don't have to go one by one. By oh, that's one fair. By one, you know, yeah. Yeah. So fair. Yep. Replace all. Yep. Oh, and, and you, you put Rocket Typist in the show notes. Uh, just as a side note, that is available in Setapp. Sorry, now you got to put oh, Setapp. Show I don't know. There's, oh, <laughs> listen. What I do. <laughs> we, I, I, I love well-fleshed-out show notes. The more, yeah. the merrier in there. And you can get those in your inbox. Go to MacGeekUp.com and just sign up there, and you'll get them every week. Uh, so you, you don't have to miss out on, on ensuring mm. that you know the show's out and that the show notes are there. And then you can also uh, maybe be the one to remind me if I uh, forgot to change the show in Apple Podcasts from draft to published. You'll get Dave, the how email. How would they do that? Well, you'll get the email. You can just reply to the email. It works right, yeah, but right if, there. But well, there's other, that. But otherwise, I'm thinking you might yeah. want to write to feedback at MacGeekGap.com. What? Did I hear that right? Feedback at MacGeekGap.com? What? I don't know anything about this feedback at MacGeekab.com. Is this new? Did you do that too should, when you did the chat? You get after stuff? it, Dave. Oh, man. Get after it. That's what all the cool kids are doing. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, me too. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> cool kids and me too. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Harvey has a question here. This is going to be John. I'm going to miss you. Um. How do I change the name and extension name on a hard drive? Backblaze stopped backing up one of my drives named Gallifrey because it thinks it is now named Gallifrey One with a space in between. Gallifrey Space One. In checking the info window on the drive, the drive's name is Gallifrey, but it is listed under the mount point as Gallifrey One. I've tried to change names multiple ways, and it keeps reverting reverting back to Gallifrey as the mount Gallifrey one, sorry, as the mounting point, which I think is what Backblaze is reading. Any advice? So listener Stephen in Discord uh, had, I think, w- certainly what I would do first, which is unmount the drive, then rem- go into the volumes folder. So slash volumes. You can tell the finder to go there. Or you can do it in the terminal, however you want. Uh, go to the volumes, the slash volumes folder and remove Gallifrey and Gallifrey one. And if there's a Gallifrey two, remove that too. These should be anything in the slash volumes folder should be empty folders. As we've talked about on recent episodes, Unix mounts drives at a folder, right? Or at a, like they, you, you, you create a folder and then just tell it, all right, that's where the drive should be. Um, if that folder exists as it does in Harvey's case, almost certainly it, you know, he has a drive named Gallifrey, Mac OS says, cool, I'm going to mount that at slash volume slash Gallifrey. And then it says, oh, nope, there's already a folder there named Gallifrey. Well, it's not going to overwrite it. So it says, all right, cool, no problem. Let's try slash volume slash Gallifrey one. And if that fails, it'll go to Gallifrey two and Gallifrey three and all those things all the way through. Get rid of that volumes Gallifrey folder and it will be able to mount right where you want it to mount. And then Backblaze should see it and match it and do all the magic things that Backblaze can do. 
that's the uh that's the magic there i hope because i because mm. if that doesn't work i don't know what else would so could yeah. you use u-mount from the terminal um you mm. you could uh, like to unmount a drive because that's what u-mount does right yeah yeah but i mean i would i would do it in the finder with the eject mm. just just in case the finder does more than because i i think u-mount won't delete I think U-mount would cause this problem because oh. U-mount doesn't delete the mount point, right? Because uh, that in Unix, generally, you don't delete the mount point. You leave it where it is, and then you just say, go mount here, and you're very specific about it. When you add a drive to Mac OS, it's trying to do it, you know, in this sort of pretty and don't bother the user with the underpinnings way. And so it doesn't mount to the same point. So when you eject a drive... Not only does it unmount it, it then deletes the folder that it was using as a mount point so that it can use it uh, so it can create it again. So, yeah, I wouldn't use you mount. I would I would use okay. eject. Yeah. 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 Disk utility and, will also eject it fine, you know, with, with <clears throat> unmount, uh, but it'll, it'll oh, right, right. do it properly. Yeah. Right. And kind of as a follow up here, but um, say you are, you're having this problem with your machine name instead of a volume name. Oh, Yeah. Um, here's the way I found, and they moved it again, of course, because it's Ventura, but, um, here's where you can get to that value. It's not where it used to be. They moved it again. Um, sharing local host name, and you're going to see the local host name of the machine. And, uh, I remember having a problem one time where, you know, something similar would happen to be like, oh, your, you know, your machine name is JB. Uh, Mac Mini One, and I'm like, no, it's not, and it's like, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. That's right. <laughs> um, it it's basically in the same spot, I think, in Monterey. Oh, okay. Because I I just went because I'm still running Monterey here, as as we've discussed. Uh, I went to System Preferences Sharing, and it's called Computer Name at the top of the screen there. So I mean, it's it's got a different label, but it's still in the Sharing Preference mm. pane. Mm. So yeah, but but yes, that is that is where you would. If you notice your Mac's name on the network starts getting the one, two, three, it's basically seeing echoes of itself. Um, and I know that's strange to say, but on the Mac, when one Mac is alive on the network and awake on the network and another Mac goes to sleep, there will be a handoff as that Mac is going to sleep. And it's the bonjour sleep proxy handoff. And what happens when this handoff, uh, goes through is it says hey like if if let's say my mac in the office is going to sleep but the mac in the studio is awake my mac in the office will say to the mac in the studio hey i'm going to sleep will you be my bonjour sleep proxy and it says well okay what services are you running and it'll tell it ah i'm running file sharing and printer sharing or whatever it's you know whatever sharing services it's running and it'll say cool i got you man and then the mac goes to sleep and the the mac in the office goes to sleep the Mac in the studio says, okay, if anybody's out there on the network looking for computers, I'm going to advertise not just myself, but this thing down in the, the Mac down in the office because it asked me to do that. And it will advertise that it is file sharing and print sharing. And then when somebody goes to connect to it, the Mac here in the studio will be like, oh, okay, well, I can't actually service the file sharing request to the thing in the, in the office. So I got to go tell the one in the office to wake up and it'll pass a, you know, magic ethernet path packet along 
and it can do this over Wi-Fi too, but it's called the magic ethernet packet. I think, I think we still call it that. I don't know. And, uh, and it wakes it up and then it says, uh, all right, go answer this request. And it will. So that's how all that works. But that's why this happens because sometimes the Mac in the office will wake up and there won't be the rights. We'll call it the right unhandoff. And so it will see that the one in the studio is advertising itself as like mini office. And so the one in the office will be like, well, somebody else took that name. So I got to be mini office one or mini office two. That's, that's usually the thing that causes that problem. So there you go. Fun. Well, that, that, that leads to a question that may or may not be worth answering. How is that different from, or why does it do that as opposed to just wake on land? Well, it is wake on land. Yeah. yeah, but okay. but here's the thing is wake on land like okay so wake on land means um is is part of that process it it is yeah. the part where the mac in the in the office can be woken up by another computer on the land right so oh, that okay. happens but if we didn't have the bonjour sleep proxy what would happen is the mac in the office would go to sleep and it would no longer appear in the sidebar for anyone so you wouldn't know that it had file sharing or printer sharing enabled. You'd have to just, as a user, you would have to like to know to go ha- there. You'd have to know to, that you first needed to send a wake on land packet to that device. And then secondly, ask it, uh, you know, what services it's having. So with the Bonjour sleep proxy, it gets to go to sleep and still appear in the sidebar for everybody in the finder yeah. and then that, complicate things by renaming itself. And then, and then eventually <laughs> rename itself. Yeah. But does that make sense? Your it question does, yeah, was good. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. 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 No, it is using wake on land. It's just yeah. sort of, it, it's adding that layer to it so that the rest of the users on the network don't Already care whether there. the computer's asleep or not. Yeah. 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 That yeah. makes sense. Which is great. I mean, it's, a, it, yeah. it really is a power saving feature because if you have a computer that has a resource of files or printers or remote control or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you want people to get to in the past, you just had to tell your computer, don't go to sleep right. with bronze or sleep proxy, which has been here for many versions of Mac OS. This isn't relatively new. Uh, you just get to, you know, you get to tell your Mac, yeah, sleep whenever you want men wake up when you need to, which is great. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, good question. Uh, you want to take us to, Gordon actually no you know that. what I'm gonna t- okay. we will do Gordon but while we're on this whole thing the infamous Johnny B in discord asked how is there a way to manage which external volumes mount or don't mount for specific users and that's why I figured we do it here in this this section he says I want to prevent specific volumes uh from being accessed by specific users permissions doesn't seem to block them from it when I'm mounting them with, you know, all permissions enabled. And this is running on Ventura 13.4. So first of all, the infamous Johnny B is right here on this show. So I don't know who this other infamous Johnny B is. (laughs) This must be, uh, this must be an imposter, John. (laughs) But anyway, uh, I just, the way uh, and, and several people commented, including Jam Cycler, who said uh, you can use an Apple script and put the script application in the user's login items. And and I put a little Apple script in there uh, to do this. I use an Apple script to unmount my um, my clone drive when I start up. I have Carbon Copy Cloner unmounted after it does its cloning, but I don't want that drive there. I don't want Spotlight getting confused or anything like that. So 
I just wrote a little Apple script that does a shell script and uses the disk util terminal command. It's all right there. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the, um, to the discord thread where we have all this, but what you could do is for each user put in, in their login items, an Apple script that unmounts the drives. You don't want them to see. They could still launch disk utility and remount them, but at least it would be out of sight, out of mind. And, and that might be enough for, for what you're doing. The one thing I will say though, is if you're using fast user switching, this isn't going to work. Like, because if you've got multiple users logged in at the same time, whoever logged in last gets to control which drives are mounted or unmounted, depending on which Apple scripts ran. So it could be a little, could be a little wonky. I guess you could, now I'm thinking about it. You could write, you could use keyboard maestro to intelligently mount or unmount the drives depending on the logged in user. So long as every user was running keyboard maestro, that would be another way to do it. Now that I think about it, I don't know. Right. I mean, right. So that's, that's my, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Any, any questions? Or are we going to Gordon Pete? <laughs> I think Pete's muted. Pete's very quiet. It, and this is rare for Pete because Pete's not usually that quiet, but, uh, well, not always, but not you know. always. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, we can go to Gordon. Okay. I want everybody that's driving to pull over at this time and, uh, pull out your notepad and write down that Pete got one, right? Oh, Note the date and time oh. file this under even a blind squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon writes, I hope you can provide me with, uh, some help for an issue I'm having with the font book app that is part of the Mac OS. It appears it has suffered some sort of corruption. There's supposed to be a collections category located on the left panel of Fontbooks app. On my user account, it is missing issues that I know about. Missing the collections category in the left panel. If I try to add a new collection by clicking New Collection from the File menu, nothing happens. If I try to add a new Smart Collection by clicking New Smart Collection from the File menu, it opens up the dialog box to create a new Smart Collection, but once I name it, add rules, and then click OK, the new smart collection does not show up. Boy, it's huh. getting stubborn. Huh. <laughs> uh, troubleshooting he did. He deleted the preference files and found it at this location, libraries.containers.com.apple.fontbook.data, library preferences, yada, yada. Um, he says, this is only happening on my user account. I open Fontbook on a test account, and it works properly. Oh. I've attached two screenshots, one from my test account where it works, one from my user account where it's missing. Any suggestions to recover the missing panels would be great. <clears throat> That's really bizarre. Back. Yeah, it was. I wrote back, uh, Gor hi, Gordon, my guess, and I emphasize the word guess, is that something is possibly wrong with these files. And I pasted a graphic in there. Um, and, uh, of course, it's in the way it's of in, emails. <laughs> no, it's in, it's in yeah. library yeah. font collections. Thank you. It, home you library font collections is where yep. you pointed Gordon on this one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where I found it. I said, make sure you have a good backup of these files. Delete the folder and restart font books. Try it at your own risk. Emphasize, right? Yeah. So, uh, so Gordon wrote back, uh, uh, thank you, Pete. You set me on the path to success. For some reason, my font collections folder was missing in action somewhere in my deep oh. dark past. It got deleted probably with me messing with something I should not have. I recreated the folder font collections. That's one word with a capital C capital F, capital C, and the collections section reappeared in the left panel of font book. Of course, it did not contain any of the pre-made collections, fun, modern, PDF, traditional, and sure. web, which is fine as I did not need those, but if I want them, they are easy to recreate. And after that, I was able to successfully create my smart collections and for 
FYI, I created three smart collections, handwritten serif and sans serif fonts. Hopefully it won't go to your head, Pete, but you outsmarted Chet, GPT, and many worthless Google results in getting my problem solved. That's really Ooh, interesting. So win. <laughs> like it would, in this case, the app was looking for settings that it, it couldn't find. Yeah. And then when it the, wouldn't write the file. But, the, but it wouldn't create the folder. It would yeah. recreate the settings files, but yeah. the folder had to exist first. Yeah. That's I, it, what a, what a great troubleshooting tip is, you know, first of all, knowing where it should have been, which is really hard. Yeah. Like if something doesn't exist, knowing that it should exist is, well, is tough. And I was able to give that because it did exist on my for you. It did. But, but yeah. if Gordon, I, like Gordon have could post. have looked in the, uh, his test account, right? Like, it, oh, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah. again, knowing where yeah. to look is uh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, yeah. but that's really interesting. Cause I would have expected that font book would have been able to create the folder because yes. third party apps do this, right? Like they do it all the time. They create yes. folders for themselves and then populate them. So a third party app would not have had this problem. It would have just created it fresh. Yeah. So in a way I didn't get the answer, but he got it with my hint but, because yeah, just, there was no font books. Well, that's folder, it. And so I'll create it. And, and so my, my telling him to delete it would have, actually led to disaster <laughs> yeah right right yeah, exactly yeah so deleting fairness, but but, yeah. but like there's also a, there's multiple lessons here because one of them is what you just said where best to in this case best to delete the contents of the folder not yeah. the parent folder itself yeah uh although again with a third-party app i i would give the other advice so this is one of those you know apple doesn't yeah. Apple presumes that that folder is going to exist and fails when it doesn't. And, and yeah. that's, that, it's just interesting that that, that, it does, that it doesn't recreate it. It doesn't recreate it. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, that was fun to get one right like that. Oh though. no, that's, I, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, we have some cool stuff found to go through. No and so I will dive us into that. Porthos John in our discord chat says, I found this great power strip for HomeKit geeks out there. It is the Maros Wi-Fi 15-amp power strip, only 30 bucks on Amazon. We've got a link there uh, in the show notes, of course. And th what's cool about this thing is it does, it works with HomeKit, uh, Google Assistant, Smart Things, Amazon A-Lady. It has four uh, three-pronged AC outlets on it, which... Great. And each of those can be individually controlled via any of the previously mentioned assistants. And then it's also got four uh, USB-A ports on there. All four of them are controlled as a separate switch, so can be on or off. Uh, but uh, but pretty cool. And uh, for 30 bucks, like that's not terrible. So if you need a bunch of switches, like I'm thinking you know, the Christmas tree lights and things like that would be, this would be great for the one thing that is an asterisk here is that it requires, it is a 2.4 gigahertz only device. And it's one of the dumber 2.4 gigahertz devices in that you have to have your phone on 2.4 gigahertz when you set it up. So 
you know, the, the whole, you know, if you've got like Eero, you can tell it turn off five gigahertz for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. And, and then you'll do your thing. If you don't have Eero, then, uh, you know, you, you have to change the name of your five gigahertz network temporarily do this and, 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 you know, and then set it back up. But, um, so it's got that little pain in the neck cause they, they didn't write smart software inside the, uh, probably in the app would be my guess. But anyway, uh, it, other than that, then once it's working, then you can turn five gigahertz back on. It's it, it, that's all fine. So yeah, pretty good. I like it. I like it. You got one for us, John? Yes, I do. Um, <clears throat> Patrick writes in a uh, quick story. Each year I buy my wife and kids the same gift for Christmas. One year, everyone got AirPods, then global entry, uh, et cetera. This past year was the aura frame. Uh, the things that sold me on the frame was unlimited photo storage without an ongoing subscription. And the best part is we have access to each other's frames. Uh, see the screenshot, which you can see the screenshot if you go to their site. Um, uh, we can add photos to their frames and they can add to ours. You can see recently added photos and copy to your frame. Basically, it works just the way you'd want it to work. Pretty so good. thank you, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, that's I've, nice. I've tested one of these Aura frames a, a number of years ago, and it looks like they've gotten way more options out there. And at at different price points, like you can, I, I seem to recall them being quite expensive in the like three to five hundred dollar range when I tested them initially. But now you can start for like one hundred and forty nine bucks, um, mm-hmm. which is great. The these uh, we have we used. Um, when we bought a bunch of these, we kind of did the same thing. Um, and it's great with our kids sort of living, um, all over the world now, uh, being able to just put stuff on frames in our various homes. We used skylight frames when we, when we did this and that's what we still have. But, uh, it sounds like these aura frames have gotten a lot better since I, in a lot of ways, not just pricing, but in terms of being able to send around and all that stuff, that's pretty good. Yeah. It, I will tell you life-changing to be able to just send pictures to each other and, or even just to your own frame. Like, you know, so much of our lives are, are, you know, on our digital devices now to be able to just say, Oh yeah, you know, we were like, we were at Foo Fighters the other night, which was great. And it's like, Oh, let's put some of those pictures we took up on the frame so that you just see them in the kitchen. And it's like, Oh, that was fun. You know, whatever. So it's good. Yeah. Oh, the only perfect. thing that concerns me. Yes, yeah, sir. Um, looking at the features here, um, one thing they highlight, and I don't know if they should, um, uh, unlimited storage, no fees, share photos and videos, worry-free with no storage limit, um, no memory cards. Mm. I would have expected they could have tossed the memory card reader in there. Why would they need that, though? I mean, it's well, Wi-Fi. Well, if you want to take, take your SD card out of your camera and plug it into a frame and look at all the pictures. Yeah, this is more for, like... Mm-hmm. take pictures with your iphone right i mean it, it, like that's it oh yeah yeah you use their app to upload yeah it and, exactly and it's all cloud-based i would imagine yeah so yeah yeah it's it, the, the the whole idea of because i've done it like when we're on vacation i'll sit and you know maybe one night or whatever you know in the airbnb i'll queue up a bunch of pictures and i'll just fire them off to the skylight frame and then when we get home it's like look our vacation pictures are already just in rotation here and it's yeah it's great that's pretty good. Yeah, I got to dig back into these Aura frames. They This looks like it's evolved quite a bit. Very nice. Very nice. I like it. 
Uh, all right. I promised that I had something nice to say about core audio. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Things happen, man. All right. Pull over again, folks. That's right. <laughs> Mark <laughs> it down. Yep. So I was looking at the release notes for SoundSource, which is a piece of software that Rogue Amoeba makes, and it's great. It lets you control the volume on if you've got like an external set of like an external audio device on your Mac that doesn't uh, have like let your Mac do volume control. It'll do that. It'll let you send the audio from one app to a certain output device and another app to another output device. It makes life, it's great. Like once you, once you start using it, especially if you have multiple audio devices, it just becomes second nature and it's great. I was looking at the release notes and they mentioned that they added support for the AU sound isolation plugin. Now I know that AU means an audio units plugin. And uh, when it starts with AU, that generally means that it is an Apple provided plugin. And indeed, AU sound isolation is a plugin that is included with Ventura. And it does some magic stuff. It will, it is built for voice. The, it, it, the way it's set up, you, it, it, they might be able to add or they might add other things in the future, but currently it is built to take your voice and isolate it from background noise. And so I tried it with a really good mic that I have down in my office. And it was like, oh, that's actually pretty good. There was like a guy mowing the lawn you know, outside and it was able to cut that out. And I thought, wait a minute, let me try it with my crappy webcam. Because those microphones are awful and they pick up all the bounciness of the room, plus every sound in the background and all of that good stuff. And I made a little recording. So. Uh, but I'm on my webcam mic, which is awful picks up all the room and I'm sure you're hearing that weed whacker or leaf blower or whatever it is outside, right? Let's turn this off and see what happens. He doesn't even have, even have that thing fired up, but uh, actually he does. There he is. He's going nuts with it. Can you hear it? It's right next to my office. Let's, let's turn AU sound isolation off. So now it's just idling out there, but I bet it's louder than it was before when he had it fired up. Let's try it again with this, uh, with this back turned on. I think this is a pretty cool little plugin. Nice for Apple to include it. I like that. It's eye watering how good that is. And 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 there are like you. I, this is on its default settings. You just yeah. set it and forget it, and just use it. Uh, if I was on Ventura here, I would have this in my workflow for the podcast feed. I'm not because for all the reasons we've discussed. But it did remind me that Isotopes RX. Uh, has a similar plugin. And so I, I I do have that now in the flow here. I don't have it turned on today. They've got a, a plugin as part of RX called Voice Denoise. Now, of course, you have to pay for that, but um, but it does it, it does kind of the same thing. And so if, you know, if like Pete, if you're in a hotel room ever where there's like noises or whatever, I can just kick that in and, uh, you now, know, you're, but, to be fair, you're paying for the Apple one too. It's just, yeah, it's included. That's fair. You're buying, but yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. let me ask you to do this though, Dave, would you go through what you talked about? You, you educated me yesterday on it and yeah. I thought it was a great education. You talked about the wet and hundred percent and why you want a hundred percent and why you don't. And all sure. That. So when someone looks at those settings in the AU uh, sound isolation, yeah. So first you have to, you have to put this in line 
wherever you would put a, an audio plugin in line. And if that doesn't make sense to you, there's, there's a deeper path to go down and probably one that's better to do like in discord or whatever uh, with us. So MacGeekab.com slash discord, but you would put this in line in say you like logic or garage. Uh, I think you'd probably do this in garage band. I don't see why you couldn't, but I, I could be wrong about that. It's been a long time since I've used garage band, but you'd put it in logic. You could put it as a block in audio hijack. It appears there. You can put it on the output in sound source, which is a little weird because sound source doesn't let you do input stuff, but it does support it on the output. Um, so wherever you would put like a reverb plugin or a compressor compression plugin or whatever, like that's where you would put this. And then as Pete mentioned, there are two settings when you pull up the plugin in one of those places. One is what you want to isolate. And as I said before, you get one choice and it's voice. So there's really no setting there, but you can see it's a dropdown that could be populated with other things. The other is a slider between 100% dry and 100% wet. Now, what that means is dry would be the signal you are sending it. So in the case that I played for you, the very loud, boomy, crappy sounding microphone. Wet is the result of the plugin. You could slide that slider around and get some of the dry sound with, you know, some of the wet sound. Where the wet dry thing really makes sense is with reverb, you would very rarely want to have a hundred percent wet because all you would get is the reverb and none of the, the the main signal that would sound very weird. There's times where that might be desirable. But with this, you want it hundred percent wet. But like I said before, just leave this plugin at its defaults. Don't even worry about wet versus dry. Just leave it alone. See, this is what I deal with with Pete, folks, because this is why Pete's audio adjusts itself and all this stuff, because Pete goes in and messes with all the settings. And, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and so it is Pete that asks questions like this. I love these questions. But when I say, leave it alone, there's a reason for that. <laughs> I, I would Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. Uh, go ahead and finish, because I actually no, I, finished. I got some yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I, uh, so you mentioned GarageBand, and guess what? Um, so I opened GarageBand. I've been editing my show in GarageBand a lot. Uh, yep. I'm switching over to another program, but I, I still like GarageBand. Once you have your audio tracks up and in there, if you hit B, a little, f the letter B, a little uh, window comes up at the bottom, and you click on the output tab in the center, and then go over to the master tab on the left, and there's uh, plugins. And if you pull down on the plugins, go to the very bottom, it says audio units, then over to Apple, and the very last plugin at the bottom is audio sound isolation built Great. into GarageBand. Great. And yeah. opening GarageBand while we're doing a podcast is like something what that could would go wrong? petrify me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to worry, Dave, I'm on Ventura. <laughs> right. I, I will say this is not new in Ventura. It is, I am newly aware of it, but it has been there since, you know, since the yeah. betas. Cause as soon as I started searching online for this, I was like, what is yeah. this magic? You know? And, and, uh, and it might even be something, I don't know this, but you might be able to grab that plugin from a Ventura machine and put it on a Monterey machine. Ooh. I don't know though. I like, it, yeah. Like it might take advantage of some frameworks that only exist in Ventura. I, like it's hard to say, but I have seen people take other plugins from one version of a Mac OS and move them to another. They're just audio units plugins. So unless it's leveraging some, you know, secret framework or maybe not secret, but you know, something that doesn't exist in Monterey. So I should, I should try that because that would be interesting to see uh, for academic reasons to see if it works. Yeah. So 
Yavel. Well, gentlemen. Where? It seems like, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to behave. There's gentlemen and in I, the area. <laughs> and I use that term. Yep. <laughs> uh, the time has come, much as we might not want it to. The time has come here. Ah, John, you got anything to uh, share before we uh, before we get out of here? I mean, I know there's um, there's going to be some some advice I ask you for in a few minutes, but just you know, before um, we get to that, no, it's uh, it's been a great run. I agree, I agree, man. Yep, Amen. absolutely. Well, thank you, John. This has been a great run, indeed. Thank you both for doing today's episode with us. Uh, Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Thanks uh, to, well, thanks to you, all of you, for buying uh, merch. We're going to talk about Pete's shirt in a little bit, but you'd find that at MacGeekUp.com slash merch. Check out Pete's other podcasts. So there I was, and I have two other podcasts as well, Business Brain and Gig Gab, the latter being for musicians or people who are interested in the kind of conversations that happen backstage, which might not be as exciting as you think, but you might find them interesting if you're into live music. <laughs> Thanks to our sponsors for this week. As we discussed during the show, shadyrays.com slash MGG and notion.com slash Mac I did go through this week, the list at Mac slash sponsors. All the deals there are up to date. Go check those out too. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. John, would you do me the honor? Would you do us all the honor of reading the shirt that Mr. Pilot Pete has? And this advice is for all of you. And even though I will not be here in the future to give it to you, the advice that I have now is don't get caught. Made on a Mac. That's good advice. Later.